Mac Power Users, episode 147, David Wayne Returns. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks and Katie Floyd. Hey, Katie. Hey, David. And we've got our friend David Wayne back with us. Welcome back, David. Hey, guys. Happy to be back. Yeah, you know, David, uh, I, I consider you uh, our 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 first big celebrity interview. <laughs> you know, it was back in May Don't of 2011. Merlin. May May 2011. Well, Merlin is a separate. He's like a nerd celebrity. David actually. Um, I feel like though, in the time since then, you guys have become bigger celebrities than me. <laughs> oh no, I don't we're think just so. geeks that talk about geeky stuff. That's that's all. That's, that's as far as we go. Pretty much describes what I do too. I, I got to go see you when when newsreaders you had that premiere. I got to go out and watch oh, you yeah. your element, and and it was nice to see you and your family there. Yeah, and it was really fun. I mean, anyway, I guess I'm probably getting off off the point. But back on show fifty in May two thousand eleven, uh, Dave came on and talked about at that point Wanderlust, the the movie that's now been out a few years. Yeah, and you had written it and directed it and. You walk through the whole process of what you do with your technology from the first, you know, germ of an idea of, hey, this would make a good movie through writing the script with co-writers and scouting locations and shooting and post-production. And it, I think it was one of our best shows because it's just so interesting to see how technology works. And we said, you know, it's time. It's been a couple of years. Let's come back and kind of revisit because, as you were just saying before we started, so much has changed. Yeah. And um it, when you wrote me, it was, I immediately knew who you were because I, I'm a huge fan of, of your comedy and the things you do. And Thank you. If, if, you, if you don't know David, we're putting up an IMDb link in the show notes. Yep. He's a writer, actor, director. He started back on The State, which was, which was my, um, you know, back because I was... Um, you know, I was anti-establishment in my younger days. And <laughs> now you're pro-establishment, right? Oh, I'm part of the establishment at this point. <laughs> but the um, but this was my way of sticking it to Saturday Night Live, watching the state. And I just loved your comedy. And and lately, you've been really busy. You've got the show Children's Hospital. You do with Rob Cordry, who's another friend of ours, who's yeah. really awesome. Who, who and, tells us, by the way, that he taught you everything that you know about technology. Yeah, right. No, oh, yeah. that's what he, he goes around telling people. You should know that. I'm the guru. I'm the I'm the local guru around our office. Well, see, there's definitely something going on there because both of you <laughs> always say that. And Rob says, "Look, the next time you find something really cool, before you put it on a show, um, share it with me first. Right? Yeah. Just yeah. let me know because well, I want to show it." I, I think I mentioned last time when we're having these writing sessions, we'll b devolve into little like I heard this first, you know, arguments about some little tweak or menu bar app. And, and <laughs> we get into fights about who heard about it first, where and who, you know, who listened to Mac Power users soonest when it was uploaded and so on. <laughs> As you should. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, he, he told me once that he, he was at uh, some fancy Hollywood party with you and somebody was complaining about passwords and you and him, like, like we zoned into in it. A, yeah, exactly. He <laughs> just like went at the person with a one password. I'll tell on. you what, what. For me, the when that really happens is when people talk about their email. Yeah, and I get, I get like, I start sweating, and I'm like, they're like, why, why do you, is like, should I not have three thousand emails in my inbox? Yeah, and, and I literally, I give people a warning. I'm, I'm like, you don't want to ask me about this. Yeah. And they're like, no, I want to know, like, what's, what are you trying to say? Like, do you have a system or something? And I'm like, all right, you want, like, okay, I'm giving you one last chance to say, yeah. 
forget about this. And then, then they say, no, tell me. And I'm like, okay. And then I don't stop. I don't shut up for two hours yeah. until they've been convinced to empty their inbox and get some sort of system going. Yeah. Once the process <laughs> is initiated, it does not end. <laughs> you yeah. just keep going. Right, but, but so now you've got, you've got children's hospital, which is, um, yeah, you know, just a really great. I just think it's hilarious. It, and it's we're a, premiering our uh, fifth season right now. It's it's just hitting the air uh, July twenty fifth. Great. Put it put it on your DVRs, everybody, because it airs at midnight, I believe. Yes. And um and Tape the it. and it's fifteen minutes episodes, yep. so you have you have no excuse not to watch it. And uh, my wife and I, we we record them all. We watch them when the kids aren't around for a couple good reasons. And it is a show made entirely by Mac Power users. Exactly. So watch it and support these guys. And then you have another show that's it's sort of a spinoff called Newsreaders. Right. And uh, that's frankly, it's all true, right? Because that's that's where I get all my news these days. So I've stopped watching <laughs> network news. It's it's almost like a 60 minutes uh, format show, but entirely 100 percent fictional. Yeah. Uh, it really? Oh, man. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. So that's another one. And then I saw that you ha you're working on a new project called They Came Together. Can you say right. anything I have, about that? Or is that's that... a, a movie um, with Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler and Ed Helms. And we're uh, I'm working on the editing process of that right now. In fact, we're going to talk about that because uh, as you wrote me, everything has changed. So I, I want to hear about that. But but before yeah. we get to that, you, you got some new hardware since the last time we spoke because you were loving your MacBook Air last time we talked. I was loving my MacBook Air. And then... Uh, you know, I, I'm one of those guys that my MacBook Air starts to like have like a moment of potentially looking like it may be in its middle age or old age. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should get a new one. Yeah. Um, but then I, I talk myself in and out of it for a few months. And then finally, I'm like, I, you know, go through all these rationalizations about looking at my bank account and is this worth it? And can I do it? And then but I realize I really am working these machines sometimes for better or worse from um from wake up to bedtime. So I, I, I put them through the paces. Anyway, I got the new uh, Retina MacBook Pro. 13 and, or 15? Um, 13. Yeah. And I couldn't be, I'm just blown away by it. I'm really yeah. blown away by it. And you know what? For my life, it's identical to the MacBook Air in terms of the, pra the practical notion of how big and heavy it is. It makes no difference at all to me. Zero. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about making that same decision because I've been a 13-inch MacBook Air user forever, and it sits on my desk a lot of the time, but then I do grab it and go somewhere, and I'm thinking, you know, that 13-inch Pro is not that much bigger anymore. Can I interject something? Isn't Please? it interesting in, in our technical world what how relative a term forever is? I was just thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> so by forever, you mean like three years, right? Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Well, <laughs> This is my the second. This Bear, is my second MacBook one. Air so. hadn't even been invented, you know, more than six years ago. <laughs> okay, I. Um, well, but before I was a MacBook Air user, I was a. I. What was before the MacBook Air? I, you had the I, thirteen-inch MacBook Pro, I believe. I did have the. I did have the thirteen-inch MacBook Pro, and before that, way before that, I had the twelve-inch PowerBook. That was the, yeah. That was a great machine. I had the bronze keyboard PowerBook in the nineties, which was the best Mac I had, I think, until this one right now. I, I'll tell you, the Retina screen, a lot of people tell me they can't tell the difference and it's not a big deal. To oh, me, it's, come a, on. it's a huge Are you kidding deal. me? Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm just afraid it's it's it will ruin me. How, it will. How, how am I going to sit it next to my 27-inch non-Retina screen? I mean, that's going to cost you me won't. three more grand down the line. As soon as they come out with a, with a, with a Retina cinema display, I'm boom, done. 
I have to tell you, it's it's made me less and less interested in having a second display because it's just so crisp and great and it's all right there. And, you know, you learn tricks to not need that second display anyway. I use it when I'm video editing and that's about it. The, um, and so... And, and the other thing I, I constantly use a second display for, though, is when I'm working with another person in the room. That's when it's amazing. You know, when you're somebody, if you're sitting across from someone and you're both looking at the same thing because he, he has the mirrored display. Yeah. And now with Mavericks coming out, you're going to be able to have that that going to an Apple TV. So you could be sitting in a room with a big television yeah. Apple TV, and it, it acts as a second display, not as a mirror display. But so that's can, always been the case, hasn't it? No, it's, it's, al- it's, it's always a been a mirror display. Oh, I see. I and see. I'm sure it, it could still display. be a mirror display. So, like, you could have Final Cut pumping out to your 70-inch TV. I wonder if it would do it in time. That's interesting. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, that's but, cool. I, I'm with you, uh, David. I, I love, love, love my Retina MacBook. I bought the 15-inch one because as soon as they came out, I made the mistake of looking at one of the screens, and that was pretty much it for me. And well, interestingly, I mean, this might be just the time to talk about this. I'm I'm editing my movie right now on an the Avid Media Composer 5.5, which is they they've just brought out seven, but for various political reasons, we're, we have to do it on 5.5, which is a very old. Um, Media Composer from Avid. And Avid Media Composer in general is kind of a retro, you know, app that I have a lot of issues with. The point I'm making, though, is I cannot, it won't work at all on any system past Snow Leopard. Wow. And so so I have to have a different, I am using an old, old MacBook Pro that's running Snow Leopard just to do the editing on this movie. And it's driving me crazy. Yeah, and, I, I can only imagine. And this MacBook Air, that I, this new MacBook Pro I have, for, for what I can tell, is basically 10 times more powerful than this old one. You know, And so it, I have all this power being unused on the thing that I need the most power for. Um, this is one of those little software craziness things. When it, any other editing I do on my, myself right now, I've been using Final Cut 10. How do you video. like that? Because when we, I think, no, it hadn't come out when we last spoke, I don't believe. I think it might oh. not have, but or in or any you case, were going to look into it. I think at the time, yeah, I, it still has some bizarre aspects to it, which make it possibly not still quite ready to be like the main workhorse machine for doing big projects. But for anything that I'm doing, like I'm making a, a reel for something, or I'm putting together a little small piece for something, anything that I would be editing on my myself, um, or maybe if I do a web my web series again. It's amazing. And it, it really does kind of redefine the metaphor of what video editing should be in the right way. And I think this is it is the future of of what video editing is. I, I, I was watching my daughter. I mean, this is not even a comparison, but she does video for her school, her high school. And I was looking over her shoulder watching her in Final Cut 10. Yeah. And it, it's crazy how fast she works in it. I I mean, and she's doing things I've never seen before because I've never stopped to really learn the application. What's amazing about it is it's one of these programs that when it comes out, you're like, oh, why didn't we, why did we ever waste time doing 10 steps for that one thing? It never occurred to me that that was stupid. You know, it's really cool. Now, did it take you any time to get there? Because there was a lot of people who were upset about Final Cut Pro 10. Did you, did you have to sit there and and be upset about it it for a while and say, okay, well, okay, maybe it's better? I did. I did. I went back and forth a bit, but I, I 
I tried to take on the attitude of, I don't want to hold on to something old just because it's what I'm used to. I really want to embrace the new thing. And I want to, on some level, trust that Apple's going somewhere with this. But I do think that their whole idea of the way they handled pro apps without any communication about what they're doing or, you know, it's such a closed secret shop. And I think that's absolutely maddening for people who make their living using this, this software, you know? Yeah. Well, just as we're recording this, uh, Logic Pro just came out with an update today. Oh, yeah. And I don't think I mean, you can call it an update. I think it's a totally new version. Well, I mean, so yeah, it's no, a new version. There's no upgrade. There's no, it's just here it is. Boom. $199. Well, oh, I did I didn't know that. Oh, that's exciting. I might yeah. look into that. But I mean, for 200 bucks, you get a lot of, of great software. But also, I was talking to a friend of mine who, who does audio producing. And he's like, boy, I had no idea that was coming. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> just no idea. It's just, yeah, I know. It's crazy. I, I want to go back to one thing you said. You know, the Retina is, is that the only Mac you have at this point? It's the, well, I uh, yeah, it's the only Mac I use in my daily life, and the only other one is this one that I'm editing the movie on. Yeah, I, but that's the only thing I do on it. I, I'm toying with that idea, frankly. I I have um, an iMac and I have a a MacBook Pro, and I, the iMac comes in really handy for me, like when I record podcasts and when I do screencasts. But there's part of me that doesn't want to have two machines. But uh, why? Why, why would, the MacBook Pro is far is as powerful, if not more, than your iMac? At this yeah, point. I, I know, and and it has more space, and there's just a lot of good reasons. But you know, I've got this machine; it's it's just about to run out of its Apple Care, and I'm sorely tempted to just sell. But that's it. your one that you leave on all the time, so you can have your mail. Yeah, that's craziness. the problem. So yeah, you've got to, you've got to replace it though. I mean, you hear my tone of voice about that. You're hearing you're hearing my tone of voice about how I think that's nuts the way you have that set up. Uh, you know, instead of having like Gmail and it's just there anywhere he's, anytime. He's moving that direction. He thinks I'm Gmail's actually, evil, but he's getting over it. I'm looking at seriously at switching over to Gmail, but I haven't got there yet because uh, Hover now offers a Gmail. They, they like will stand between me and Google, which on some level makes me feel better about the whole yeah. thing. I'm not sure why, but I, I'm I'm seriously looking at it, but uh, we'll see. It's an I ongoing made, thing. I just did my very first move away from Google that I think I've ever done, which is I moved all my calendars to iCloud. Okay. Mm. And why'd you do that? Because the my Google account is screwed up in some way that and has been for years and it keeps getting worse. And you know, there's no there's nobody you can call at Google ever. There's no tech support of any kind. And so I just gave up at a certain point. I was talking to BusyCal and I was talking to all the other elements in my calendar world. And they basically said, there's nothing, we give up. And so I just, gave, I gave up too and exported them and went onto iCloud and I'm very happy. Do you, know you, what, um, you, do you pay for Google apps or anything? I don't, I don't. Mm-hmm. I guess I, if I did that, I would get tech support. But with uh, iCloud, it's been super seamless because I have other people that work that add and take things away from my calendar and I share one with my wife and I see her calendar and she sees mine. And so it's very, it's crucial that that all works together and I can use Fantastical on the iPhone and on the Mac, and now it's all working great. Yeah, isn't Fantastical awesome? Well, it is, but I never really got to use it because it never worked with my Google account. Oh, okay. Well, now you're discovering it. Yeah, and now I'm having a blast. And so you're a now- BusyCal user? Yeah. Oh, can I can I take a quick break and tell you something about BusyCal? 
Hi, I'm dying to hear about what's going on with over there at uh, BusyCal. Yeah, well, BusyCal is a new sponsor to Mac Power Users. So, full disclosure, this is a this is an ad break, but it happens to to fit perfectly into your little chain of thought here. Um, but you may have noticed that BusyCal 2.0 is on sale right now. So, if you don't have it, you want to go grab it from the Mac App Store. It's on sale for the entire month of July for 19.99, which is. $10 Can I just interrupt one thing? Off the Isn't ten dollars the normal price? Uh, 19.99 is the sale price. Uh, oh, it's I normally see. thirty dollars. Yeah. Cop. Okay, sorry. So you're getting 10 bucks off. You're getting 10 bucks off. But but the reason it's on sale is because there's a good time for everybody to go ahead and upgrade because BusyCal version 2.5 is coming out. And I have been using the beta of BusyCal version 2.5, and a public beta will be available soon, likely by the time that this podcast comes out that you can go check out and play with. And what is coming in BusyCal 2.5, which may not be a big deal for you, but is a huge deal for David and I, is it is coming with exchange support, which has not been available on BusyCal up until now. And that's what we use in our office. That's what a lot of business people use. That's the one thing that has been keeping me from using BusyCal in my office. And the minute that I was able to reinstall BusyCal and and use it back on my office, I felt like I was coming home again. So what this makes- This massive. I know. What makes BusyCal so great? I mean, as you already know, that works with uh, iCal, it works with uh, Google Calendar, it works with all the standard calendar formats, and now it works with, with Exchange support. But it is a gorgeous calendar. There's no skeuomorphism. There's no leather. There's no little torn paper thing, which is, you know, worth the 30 bucks in and of itself. It's got integrated to-do support. It's got really good alarms. But it's it's got smart filtering. You can put the weather on there. You've got graphics. It is really intelligent about the way that you can add events, that you can you can schedule things. You can you can schedule recurring events. It's got a very comprehensive information panel that uh, you can keyboard over. I mean, it is a calendar for power users. Can so, I tell you something that I love about it? Please yes. tell me. Is that it, it? It as someone who goes back and forth New York to LA all the time, it's very oh, good time with zone support. options on time zones, which it gets so confusing. But you can you can say I'm going on a plane that leaves at five a.m. New York time and lands at nine a.m. LA time, and it. It figures it all out. Yeah, because that's something that iCal certainly didn't do. You can have something start in one time zone and end in another time zone. Right. Yeah, that, which is huge. And time zone support is a big deal because David and I are constantly, you know, traveling, time traveling back and forth with each other. <laughs> there you go. So it's, it's, you know, you can display two weeks on a week view. I mean, uh, that's <laughs> a like, little much for me. I do 10 days. It, 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 yeah. that, that's another good point is it is totally customizable. You can display two weeks in your week view. I choose 10 days because two weeks is a little much. I like to take a little peek at what's going ahead in the week, but maybe not the full week ahead. Um, you can you can throw icons in there if you like having icons on your calendar. You can do all kinds of things with BusyCal. So uh, go over to BusyMac.com. You can check it out. You can learn more information. But what you really want to do is um is go over to the app store and pick it up for 19.99 while it's still on sale this month because then you get the free upgrade to 2.5 when it comes out very soon. And I have I'm, to say I think the 29.99 normal price is a great deal as it is. 19.99 forget it. I'm going. Yeah. yeah. Right now. Yeah. Just pause the podcast, go get it. Trying to just yeah. help the ad here. Yeah, yeah calendar it's like calendar it. pro. You know, that's that's the way I look at it. And we're, we're thrilled to have them as a sponsor. Let them know you heard about it from us and go check this out. It will make you very happy. Yeah. And uh, thanks, Busy Cal. It's, it's great to have you uh, on Mac Power Users. We've been fans for a long time. So, so David, uh, you wrote me a note that said, I am a one-man post-production department. Well, 
in 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 respect and fairness to my wonderful post production department. Yeah, because I've moment. seen the credits on your movies, and it's longer <laughs> yeah. than one name. <laughs> no, but it's just been an interesting chain of events where the post production, which is the editing process and all the finishing on my movie. Uh, this particular one is a lower budget movie. And so we got to a certain point with it. And then we, uh, we actually had to stop because I had to go off and do children's hospital and the movie had a, um, like a hiatus for a few months. Yeah. And now we're back into doing it, but my editor is already onto her next project and everyone's sort of spread out onto their other projects. And so until, until we get, the, the picture locked together. kind yeah. of and back into the finishing process i'm doing the editing on my, by myself and i've been putting together this new version you know new cuts and new scenes and, and it's been so interesting because i know i can now do everything so easily by myself i had actors come in i did adr with this microphone right in the in my office which which is you know dialogue replacement and i've been using photoshop to mock up new scenes that we might shoot, you know, to add on to it. And I've been, um, could, making... could you stop right there for a minute? Mm -hmm. Explain how you do that. Well, for example, I wanted to get, make a demonstration of what this new additional scene might be to show the producers of the studio. So I took, uh, photos of my actors, either from the internet and, or from the, from the movie footage that I already have and put them into a new environment, you know, a, a background of a restaurant Yeah, and just pasted them in there. And then, uh, just made those those illustrations that give you an idea of what the new shots will be, along with audio I got of the actual actors saying new lines. Okay, and then it gives the you know it's like it's like a PowerPoint demo within the movie of what some new new material might be without having to trust somebody to watch a cut and then read you know a script. And, you know, it I, gives you I, a much better idea. Yeah, I get it. I just it, it confused me when you said Photoshop. So I get it. So it's like yeah. it, like slides almost going through. Yeah, it's just it's like, like doing. Uh, it's like placeholders for uh -huh. scenes that haven't been shot yet using Photoshop and and sound. You know. And then if they if they're sold on it and you guys get you know a budget to go shoot that scene, then that's yeah. where it goes. Exactly. And yeah. then, but the, it leaves less to the imagination, which is always good with Hollywood executives. Years and years ago, when I was uh, on the Jungle Cruise, we used to get free demos of Disney movies in production. And this was like Ooh. in the animated days. Like, I remember going and watching Aladdin. In, right. Well, that's in, what they have to do in, in animation. They do animatics. Exactly. It was in the uh, Abe Lincoln Theater at Disneyland, and they would, mm -hmm. they would play it, but they couldn't make up their mind on some scenes. So they had some hand drawn. Right. And it was like very low frame rate stuff and you'd hear the voices and you, I get it. I get it. Now. Yep. I didn't and, know and you I, guys did that in, in feature films as well. But sometimes it just depends on the process. I know that in the, I do an animated series. I mean, I'm the voice on an animated series called Super Jail, also an adult swim. And I've watched them go through that process and it's amazing, you know, and it's just these black and white stills, uh, for a long part of the process until they get into the animation and the color and the drawing and the backgrounds. It's just, takes forever yeah it's a lot of work doing that stuff yeah. um so I, but then i interrupted your work your explanation so you do you do some uh, photoshop yeah, i mean so ba basically uh, that's just like one of the things i'm just all the little tools that i think even just a few years ago i would have to farm out to other companies you know i can do basic effects very easily on the computer in fact i just did a, a pilot recently for um nbc and you know to do the, these these special visual effects companies will charge you ten grand up to thirty grand to do a five second effect sometimes depending on what it is, 
And I was just doing these things in Final Cut 10 that people didn't know the difference. And I output them as final and use them in, in the pilot. Um, you know, these after effects or even more advanced type transitions, you, I can do them with no knowledge really in Final Cut 10. And so that's been just all those things that took other people to do. As long as you have the creative idea of what you want, you can do it on your own so often much more now. So how much is this movement, this democratization of of production taking hold in your industry now? It would seem to me that it, it only is getting stronger. Well, I, I think especially as younger people come into it, you know, who grew up doing videos on YouTube and do it all yourself kind of stuff. I think, you know, I'm already, I'm in my mid forties and I'm older now in this industry, but yeah, I think it's going to get more and more like that. And that obviously has its pros and cons because creatively there's something to be said for people who have specialties, you know, yeah. you, you don't always want the one, one person to be doing every single job, but when it's necessary or when it's interesting to do that, it, it's wonderful that it's possible. Yeah. So but, aside um, from just the, and I, I don't really know what this, the straight editing is. I, w I would imagine taking footage that you've already shot and cutting and, and putting it together. But in terms of the visual effects and, and things like that, are, are, is what you were doing in your little one man shop actually going in the final production that, that we're usually, seeing on the screen? Usually not because uh, when you want to do it at the, the highest res and the right and the best quality, you still need to get someone at least more more talented than me to do those those smooth, you know, clean visual effects uh, pieces. However, more and more, it is possible to do it that way. And when we did Wanderlust, for example, my editor was so good at doing visual effects in the Avid that there were a few that we just had him do uh, without having to go to an outside vendor, and it saved us a lot of money. What were the? Uh -huh. I'm trying to think. What were the visual effects in Wanderlust? Well, in a movie like Wanderlust, you would think it's not a lot of visual effects, but yeah. I've, I'm going to guess that there were probably 50 visual effects shots, wow. if not more. And in a, in a movie that's not a big action, you know, sci-fi, you'd be shocked how many shots are effects. A lot of times, it's just to correct something. You know, there's an errant boom mic in the top of the frame that it needs to be erased. Or there's somebody who's standing there who shouldn't be standing there. Or you want to just change. You want to. A lot of times you'll you'll combine two different takes with two different actors' performances into one frame. Yeah. Um, all sorts of things like that that have no. You would never. It'd be impossible to know that it was an effects shot. Sure. And, it, and, it doesn't look like Queen Amidala's ship, but it's right. still. And then though, there is also another category Hang on, that's, that's not more... real. <laughs> all right. There's also the 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 category that's more and more used, which is much more use of green screen since it works so well now. Yeah. And so more and more and more, you'll see um, uh, scenes shot with green screen that you would say you wouldn't think to do it that way, but just because it's a little bit cheaper, a little bit easier. So, you know, they're shooting in an office. Uh, you could shoot in the office with the window or you can shoot with the green screen and then... It, and it's just easier instead of going to a real office or instead of going to a good office with a good view, you just put up a green and you can use a different view Yeah. or, and there's a million things like that. Or if you just don't want to build the set a full set for something, you build part of the set and then you fi finish it with green screen. If you go to Vimeo and just type in VFX breakdowns or YouTube, 
you can have a whole afternoon watching just amazing stuff they've done. The best one is Boardwalk Empire, where you can see how they built that entire old world almost entirely in green screen. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out because I went back recently because I'd been making so much fun of the pre the Star Wars prequels. I finally went back and watched them again. Yeah. And they are just as bad as I thought. They're and, horrible. And but also the 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 visual effects really look artificial. They do at, at this point. And and this now on Wanderlust, tell me that when that big guy ran naked through the field, that was visual effects, right? Big guy ran <laughs> no, I wish it was. Uh, me too. <laughs> that was just slow slow motion. <laughs> But there's if you go if you get the Wanderlust DVD or I think you can get it online or just on YouTube you can see there's there's an explanation of how we made Justin Thoreau look like he knew how to play guitar even though he had no clue and it's um, pretty funny because we did a million different visual tricks to to make it look like okay. he was a master guitarist. I'm gonna have to check that out. Well, I didn't realize you did that. I guess that makes sense. I mean, in the world today, the visual effects are just part of everything. Yeah, and it's just a lot of times it's just cheaper to do it as a VFX instead of as a what they call a practical effect, yeah. which is something actually happening on set in front of the camera. Although actors and filmmakers feel like something's lost when you're not actually shooting something, you it, you lose some of the the art of storytelling. But you know, it's it's a trade off. Yeah, it costs a lot of money to do these things, so sometimes you just got to figure out a way. Yeah. So, so you're going through the process now with your antiquated MacBook Pro finishing a feature film. Right. And, and then at some point you're going to have it where you think, okay, this is pretty pretty baked and, and ready. And then you're going to bring in the band. You're going to be back your old people and say, this is what I want. And they may have to upgrade some of the effects or your editor may have to do some tweaks. But in, in a large part, you're laying down kind of the blueprint for the finish of the movie. Pretty much. I mean, still, even today, the... What you're creating and editing is still basically a, a decision list and a blueprint of what... Th then they go back to the original uh, footage um, and match it shot by shot yeah. to what you finally decided. Um, now, soon we're getting get to the point where we can handle the actual resolution of the camera negative so that that, that process is no longer necessary. Yeah, sadly, um, I I know way too much about this. I was uh, I was an attorney in a lawsuit involving a, a motion picture, and oh, it, I remember this. It, yeah, you you helped me find an expert witness, <laughs> but the um something that I didn't realize is they do they shoot on film, and then they put it in a vault, and it just sits there until you've got all this part figured out, and then you yep. go and you you create the master. Well, especially when we shot on film, you don't touch the negative until you're completely ready because the negative can, is is the negative and it could get yeah. burnt or ruined or or scratched and then you're then it's over, you know. That's just amazing to me that we still shoot film on negatives. Well, or they we still do, shoot but, but on actual film, yeah. Feature feature films uh it, it just even since we last talked, it kind of crossed over. Wanderlust I was shot on 35 millimeter film and I'm positive it's the last time I'll do that. Okay. So, so your new movie is, is shot it's on, shot on digital on the, this camera, the Alexa is kind of the go-to camera for feature films now. And it's an airy digital format. And then, and so it, it captures what's the, do you know what the resolution? It, well, you can set it for what you want. I think we shot ours at 2k. Okay. Um, but you know, I think you, you can set it for whatever you want. And what, how do you store all of that, all of that data? I mean, shooting it, I mean, shooting at two K is is you, certainly high enough res. But I, I know you could go even higher than that. 
Well, you need, when you shoot now, you need a, a tech on set who just does nothing but capture the data and make sure that it's being captured right and then immediately clone it. Um, yeah, so immediately. Get, yeah, well, they. I think what they do is they... So you they, just get your MacBook Pro and your Super Duper and you're done? Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> In fact, I just had a total backup meltdown, which we could talk about if you want. Oh, yeah. But basically... what. Um, yeah, the person collects it onto a drive as it's being shot. And then I think they're simultaneously cloning it and then they clone it again. So there's three by the time the shoot day is over of every bit of it. And then one of them goes off to the post-production and one of them stays with the person who caught it on set until they know that it's arrived at the lab or where or the post house. It's a whole system, which I know nothing about. I'm very happy to say. So I, I would, I have this picture of like a, uh, a cage of homing pigeons that go to Hollywood and like immediately you strap one hard drive to the pigeon and send it flying. As soon as it, you have that copy, it is something like that. It's, and you know, now that movies are shot all anywhere, but Los Angeles. So they're yeah, know, in Atlanta and, yeah. and for tax reasons, they're all over the country. It's even more of a thing where they FedEx those drives out and they, they need to know fast if there's any issues so that they can reshoot, you know, on waterless, we actually lost a half a days of shooting because Somebody at one of the uh, color houses sent back the card that had the video footage that we were shooting without having transferred it. Ugh. And we shot a right over it, thinking it was blank or thinking it was a new. Yeah. And, it, and it was disastrous. Huh. It, it really is. I mean, talk about backup concerns. You want to hear, hear what happened to me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, bit, I, I'm sort of. I ultimately I blame you because um, you that's should. okay. Get in line. <laughs> you know? I have a. You might need to to lawyer up on this. Now I have a Drobo uh, that I got maybe five years ago. Yeah, which is which was my absolute. You know, everything went in there that's not on my computer. Like all my archives, all my dailies, all my. High res uh, final cuts of all the movies and yeah. all this crap I did my entire life. It's all in there. That's the thing. And um, I carried it back and forth with me from New York to LA whenever I went because I needed it. Yeah. Um, and then I never quite got the right backup for the Drobo. I thought the Drobo's idea was that the Drobo backs up itself. Um, uh, but there but, can still be there can still be hardware failures. It's still a single device. Well, it's a it's a single enclosure for five drives. Anyway, yeah. yeah, you know where I'm headed. The whole thing fried. The whole thing basically. I did. I think I did something where I moved it when I was supposed to take the drives out before. There's so many rules to using this Drobo, and if you don't yeah. get it exactly right, the whole thing can fry, which it did. And so I now have. I did make one backup of it like a year ago, and I have to decide right now whether the, I sent it to Drive Savers in California, and they. They can fix it for some ungodly amount of money, or I can just say forget it and see if I can just use this backup from from a year ago. Have you contacted Drobo? Oh, I was on. I was on. First thing I did was yeah. being on Drobo tech support for maybe two and a half weeks Ugh, back and forth. That's it was, terrible. and not only that, I use. I'm a, my time is worth more than anything to me. No, and I get it. Yeah. I was on for hours and hours and hours. It was just horrific thing and to me it's like that's the whole thing i didn't want i want to spend my money so i don't have to worry about this sort of thing yeah even so, when you when you have one device no matter what it is you still need to to run a backup and so what i do with with mine is 
every I do once a month and I, I yeah. bought a big, you know, just a large at Costco USB hard drive. It doesn't have a fast connection, but I, I connect it and I just download everything onto the Drobo on it and I, I put it away. But you're right. It's it, it gives you it makes a copy of the data. So like if one of the drives fails, you won't lose any data. But if the thing fries itself, then you got trouble. I had that happen with a, um, we had a power surge, which I know I'm mm-hmm. going to get email for based on a prior I, show. I'm sorry. Like, did somebody say something about power surge? Previous yeah, we had, a, we had a power about surge. the importance of having, okay, I'm just checking. We, I thought I heard the, about that. The only power surge in the history of the state of California, to my knowledge, it burned out the first drive inside my Drobo, but the others were okay. Yeah, and, and then I put a new one in, and it fixed it. But yeah, that's 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 an ugly story. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just gonna get some huge drive, and then just and then get back three that huge up drives. And, yeah, 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 three huge drives. I'm just gonna not stop. It's just so crazy. Yeah. Um. Plus, I'm now I've never done anything like crash plan. I think I might do that too. Yeah. yeah. Redundancy is the key to any backup. I mean, and mm. I, I, it's not a backup if it's only in one place. So. I mean, I do have uh, most of this stuff somewhere but it would take me months that i don't have to yeah. like find all the random drives you know i anyway i completely understand that's a yeah. that's a sad story um they 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 can fix it though but it'll cost me a lot <laughs> yeah the question is what you know is it how much is it worth to you i know time versus money versus data yeah well you know you've got to get a um an intern or somebody right and say you are the backups are and you need to back up my stuff every day Right. We'll see. One of my big life goals is to like land in one place geographically and have a home office somewhere, yeah. which I've never had because I'm living in New York. You never have space and I'm moving around and then I'm working mostly on the West Coast and living on the East Coast. And it's uh, don't get me started. <laughs> I Well, that's one thing I, I admire about you and Rob, because I, you know, you and I, we talk a little bit outside of the show and mm-hmm. I can't get over how busy you guys are. And I mean, there's just no stop for the things you guys do. And it's very impressive to me that you are um, embracing a lot of this geek stuff at the same time that you are running a hundred miles an hour. It's well, I mean, as you know, it, it, if done right, it, it, it makes it possible to do a lot of yeah. stuff. And, and, and I definitely, I think about this when I'm working and I know that there's no possible way in hell I could do most of what I do without the current technology. It would just be absolutely unthinkable. No, I, and, yeah particularly doing so much of it remotely. You know, I do so much of my writing remotely from other places and it just, I would, you couldn't do it. You'd have to live with near the people that you work with. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm always writing a book. It's, it's kind of become a thing and I do it everywhere. I do it on my iPhone. I do it on the iPad. I do it on Mac. Plus you co-wrote a book with someone in another place, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's just amazing. And that, that, that doesn't usually happen before now you know it's really cool yeah hey let's take a break real quick i want to talk about our our sponsor fujitsu and fujitsu makes really amazing scanners um they make them in very every size and shape depending on what your needs are but i'd like to talk in particular about their new one it's called the ix 500 and i love the scanner so much i bought a, a second one for my office because i had the old was, I think it was an S500, which was the very first Fujitsu mm-hmm. scanner I ever bought. And it, it finally gave up the ghost on me after, I don't know, 
forever. <laughs> and, uh, but it was running a long time and it, and it died. So I bought the new one and I just, I can't get over how much better this, this IX 500 is in terms of scanning sheets. I, you know, as an, as in my day job, I deal with a lot of paper. So I'll put a stack of 50 sheets in there and in two minutes, it will rip through all of that stuff for me. It does 25 pages per minute, which is pretty remarkable. It has a USB 3.0 cable. So if you've got that supported, that makes the data go faster. It's full duplex. So I'm getting both sides of each sheet as it goes through. They've got this new feature where you can scan directly to a mobile device. So if you've got it on your Wi-Fi network and you pull out your iPad or your Android or your iPhone, you can scan directly to that with no trouble. Um, the paper feeding system is better than ever. So if you get multiple pages, it catches that. It's even got a feature now where you can tell it you want to let multiple pages through, you know, like when you put a sticky on a page and you want to make sure that gets scanned on it. So it, it not only is it smart enough to know when you accidentally put two pages in, it's also smart enough to know when you intentionally put two pages in. Uh, the Fujitsu company, I think, is is my favorite scanning company because they've always loved the Mac. They make really great software. The OCR component of it is is fantastic. A lot of people write me and say, well, should I buy an extra program to do OCR? I said, well, if you have the ScanSnap, don't because the onboard stuff is just as good as anything I've ever purchased. So I really love the way it works. And then I can combine it with Hazel and some other nerdy stuff that we've talked about on the show in the past. But it's really life-changing. And it seems like not a day or two goes by that I don't get an email from someone who read the paperless book or listens to the show and, and tells me how liberated they feel because they got themselves a Fujitsu scan snap and they got all this paper out of this life. So if you haven't done it yet, go check it out for yourself. The IX500 is, is my favorite. That's the one I'd probably recommend. But if you want something a little smaller, they have the S1300i or the S1100, which is really small. Uh, you can check it out at www.ez.com slash SSMPU. Uh, that's Squarespace. I'm sorry, ScanSnap. <laughs> uh, Mac Power Users, SSMPU. And uh, check it out. Let them know you heard about us on Twitter or something, if you do buy one. And um, thanks a lot, Fujitsu, for sponsoring the Mac Power Users. Who's giving you all this paper that you need to scan? Yeah, Somebody who it, hates them. Every well, they you know people walk in my office with a problem. That's my job. I solve problems, and they give me a big stack of paper. And in years past, we would keep the paper, and then there'd always be an argument later as to whether they got all the paper back or whether you know we had it. So as someone sits in my office, I grab it from them, I stick it in my own scanner in my office, yeah, and I push the button, and then I hand it back to them. And right, and I never keep any paper. So I have this annoying thing in any production I do. And even if there's people I don't really like, I get hired as a director on something and I don't know the people and they have their own system. And I'm like, I don't, I don't do paper. Like, just don't, yeah. don't give me paper. Don't give me memos. I don't want it. I don't want it. Don't show me, don't put anything in my inbox. I won't look at it. <laughs> and people get used to it pretty quickly. Yeah. I'm like that too. People walk in my office and it's really unnerving because most people in my business have stuff stacked on the floor and against the wall and everywhere. My office is like, there's nothing. <laughs> it's just, right. you know, there's a desk and a computer and, and they walk in, they, they don't know what to think when they walk in my office, but then I just tell so them. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on children's hospital, we, we have a, you know, a normal production. As soon as there's a new draft of a script, it's just automatic that they print hundreds of copies of it. Yeah. Uh, and we said, no, 
<laughs> and we said, print a few if whoever wants, you know, we, we don't, we never say no if someone wants a hard copy, but you have to ask for it. It's like asking for the glass of water at the restaurant now, you know, like yeah. it's not automatic and we just don't want paper. And, you know, all the, the sheets with every, you know, the contact sheets for people on the crew. Like, no, just if you need paper, take it. Otherwise, everyone has email. Everyone has, you know, Dropbox and so on. What, what are people well, you, using on the set in terms of scripts and things? Are they still pulling out? Are they, I, I think when we spoke last time, you were you were trying to integrate iPads on, on various sets. Is that still working out or? A lot of people do that. Um, I, I worked with one director this year who did everything on the iPad, uh, you know, the entire process. I'm not really an iPad for work uh, type guy with all due respect to David's book. Um, I use my iPad constantly for chilling out at home um, mm-hmm. and watching things and playing and doing so with my kids. I, I love it, love it, love it, especially on the toilet. Um, but at work, I just love my MacBook Pro. That's that's my machine. And so I carry that around everywhere. And I'm looking at it when I'm directing, and I'm looking at it on set, and I'm consulting it. And then the thing that I literally have in my hand all the time is still a piece of paper. It's a, it's a um, If I'm directing on set, I have a manila folder. And in the folder is the key documents of the day, which is just the couple of pages of script that we're actually shooting. And that's about it. And my notes you know, yeah. maybe a shot list or something. And then everything else is on the computer, which is never more than two feet away. I, uh, I went back and listened to show 50 and, you know, cause it's been a while and I was driving my car and drinking tea and, and then you said, oh yeah. And then I use my iPad to play words with friends with my sister while I'm on the toilet. And I, just started, <laughs> I started snorting and almost got in an accident. Thanks a lot for that. I have but, to tell you soon after that, I gave up words with friends. Like it was too much. Yeah, the pressure. It just, beca- it just became too overwhelming and too. I I saw my life siphoning away. Oh, I, had, and, I had a really uncomfortable conversation with my nephew about cheating when he was using words that I'm sure uh-huh. he never had heard of before. Right, right, right. That letterpress. Have you tried that one? That's a. That's I have. The... I, you know, it's. I'm. Thank God. I think I. I was really addicted to games when I was a kid, or when I was a you know a college student, and to the point where it was kind of like I needed to quit them, and I did. And then I still, once in a while, I relapse and I try something like Letterpress or Words, Words with Friends and or some of the other games that have come and gone. You know, I got into a kick with um, Grand Theft Auto for a moment and with Angry Birds, whatever. But I uh, I'm, think I'm happier without it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your life is better. I'm the same way. I've got that personality. Uh, I got uh, a couple of years ago, someone, well, this is probably a lot longer than a couple of years now, but... I played one of those massively multiplayer online games. Oh, yeah. And I, I saw very quickly how I had the personality where I could end up like turning that, quitting my job and just doing that all day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and well, when, when, my, when Ken Marino fa- had a copy on his Xbox or, or whatever it was of um, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, which is now 10 years ago at least. Yeah. Um, I was in L.A. for two weeks for the purpose of doing all these meetings to further my career, I basically missed most of them yeah. and sat in his house <laughs> and played that game and stayed up till five in the morning. It was, it was pathetic. It was amazing. It's really, <laughs> I think there's, there's a, the science behind it is interesting. The way they reward you. Uh, they give you just enough. Yeah. Just it, enough reward. 
to keep it, you there. It's really interesting. And it, if you if you look at it for any length of time, you realize how much you're being manipulated. And that's a good way to get yourself out of, of doing that stuff. But yeah. Oh, boy. Anyway, I get it. I want to go back to the set for a minute because yeah, I was Katie's intrigued. tired of talking yeah, about I'm games. Yeah, I'm tired about talking about games. Yeah. Uh, I was intrigued when you said that you you carry not your iPad, but your, your MacBook Pro around all the time. Mm-hmm. How do you protect that? Do you just give a case that you use or a backpack or a bag or, or I would just, I, yeah, I would just know, be worried about, you know, all the things that happen on sets and, you know, just carrying it around all the you time. You mean protect it for like from being stolen? Well, either, you know, both just, I, I mean. Or from being dropped? Yeah, dropped, stolen, I, you know, just physically a, knocked around. I, ha- I mean, the truth is that I probably, you know, don't protect it enough, but I, I have a backpack that has a, you know, built a sleeve in the backpack that holds the computer. And I basically pretty much always have the whole backpack with me all the time, you know, like, and that's when I'm on set, that backpack is usually draped over my chair or on my shoulder, one of the two. And, um, that's pretty much it. And it just sort of sits there or it's just, you know, it's because I'm the director, people know that that's mine. And I have a, a little colorful, you know, rainbow apple decal on my, so people know it's mine. Don't touch and, it. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's pretty much it. It's just there. It's, it's just so active that I don't, it's not, I'm always <laughs> paying attention to that machine. So it's not yeah. like I'm going to lose track of where it is for more than a few minutes or, or I'm going to put it somewhere where it's going to get dropped or, you know, usually, although it could happen and it probably has. You know, it's interesting, though, that you don't use an iPad for that kind of stuff, because it seems like such a natural fit in terms of you don't have to open a lid. You don't have to prop it on your lap or find some way. You know, you can't just open. Uh, you know, the thing that the, the prop on your lap, though, is such an advantage to me for a laptop, because I if you don't have the with the iPad, you have to find some other way to hold it up then. You know, I need that other half of a laptop so I can put it on my lap and look at it. Well, you know, one question I have is what are you doing on your laptop while you're directing? Well, if the when the like I said, when the camera's actually rolling and we're in that phase of it, I'm actually probably just looking at a sheet of paper. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm jotting down little thoughts I have while while the actors are acting. I'm I'm hopefully my eyes are on the actors at that point. Yeah. Uh, and the monitor and or the monitor, not on anything else. Um, but otherwise I'm doing, I'm everything. I'm like, you know, rewriting the shot list on the computer so I can read it because I can't read my handwriting or I'm consulting storyboards or I'm looking at other, ver- you know, other uh, scripts of other episodes or whatever, any, whatever it is. Um, or, you know, certainly there's times when I don't use it for a while, but you know, it just it's it's there as my support and security blanket of knowing that I have all information and I, you know I also basically have some res files of almost all the work I've ever done on the laptop so I can easily be like oh didn't we do a shot like that ten years ago on some random thing let's pull that up and show that to the entire crew right now. Yeah, well, when yeah. you're when you're shooting, your set is basically your office. So I, I guess that does make oh, sense. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of downtime. You're you're not shooting. I mean, you're not actively rolling the camera i would imagine for you know six eight hours a day because you've got to stop you've got to set up you've got to do this you've got to do that and i would imagine that's the other thing exactly there's less downtime for the director but yeah whenever they're like okay we need to do lighting instead of you know going back to my office i just sit right there and take care of anything i need to take care of and 
you know, because I'm always moving around and I'm, I'm rarely in the same office for very long, it's just made me even more, I have no office. I have no need, I have nothing in an office. And if someone says, you're coming to do this project, we'll set your office for you up for you. What do you need? I always say, I'd love a monitor and speakers for my laptop and that's it. Yeah. And it, yeah. are you carrying a wireless card with you still? I mean, yes. Although I've never been happy with it. I, I had a sprint one and now I switched to a Verizon one and it's just spotty and crappy. And 99% of the time I try to find any, Wi-Fi network instead. Yeah. Um, but that's what I do. <laughs> you got to tell them I need a, a monitor speakers and I need Wi-Fi wherever. We're yeah, sitting. no, of course I need Wi-Fi. And I know we're hardcore about that too, because every single time on every production, we say, we're not kidding. We need like real Wi-Fi set up, like not some crappy, you know, junction box. And they're like, yeah, 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 we're doing it. We're doing it. You know, I'm, I'm giving you three months notice. You got to do it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's happening. It's happening. And we get there and it's not, it's yeah. they just, or they spent, they hired some quack company to like, you know, for thousands and thousands of dollars to set up something that doesn't work at all. Oh God, I could go on all day. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, I um, yeah. yeah, sorry. Nothing. No, no, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I want to talk a little bit about one of our next sponsors, but then I also want to talk a little bit about what you're doing for your website and what you're doing, you know, you were you were a huge Google Docs user before, and David and I have gotten more into Google Docs, and I've gotten David into Evernote a little bit, and, and what you're doing for collaboration. But I'm ready to talk about any of this, Katie. Any of this, but before we do, let's let's talk about Squarespace because I think you might have some stuff to say about Squarespace too. I do. I yeah, do. Squarespace is is one of our sponsors this episode, and it is everything you need to make a unique website and you don't have to have a whole lot of programming knowledge. You don't have to have any programming knowledge. It's you go to Squarespace, you sign up for a free trial, you pick a template. They've got some very professionally designed templates. Find one that works for you, whether you're going for blogging, whether you're going for a portfolio, uh, no matter whether you're going for commerce and you want to sell things on your site. So you pick one of their templates. If you've already got a site established, you can import your data from from many other sites and services. You've already got a starting point, and then boom, you start dragging and dropping elements into your template. If you want a photo gallery, you've got it. If you want a blog, you've got it. If you want to integrate Twitter, it's there. They've got all the social things that you can integrate. If you want a contact form, Squarespace can do that for you too. And I couldn't I, help but notice that davidwayne.com has been redesigned since we last spoke. Yes. Well, I for years, I was on iWeb. Uh, I mean, I, was, I had a, my own a host for an iWeb created site. And then I had, uh, my blog was a WordPress blog and it, at a certain point, it just became a mess. It was just, you know, everything, the iWeb of course was discontinued. And so right. I was using increasingly old software to do this and it became more and more out of date. And my own feeling about WordPress is it's just too much work to like keep track of everything. It's just a pain in the ass. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be diplomatic about it. I just, I, I used it for a long time and I just was like, I finally, when I gave in, I, I had tried Squarespace and similar uh, services a few times before, at like a false starts. But once I really delved into the current Squarespace six, I was like, wow, this really does work. And it's so much easier. And so much better. And and the fact that it automatically um, reformats itself for different screen sizes and for mobile is, to me, the killer the killer feature of Squarespace. Yeah, so many it's people so are consuming on mobile now. Yeah, well, I mean, I, most people. I feel I think there's so many people. I know so many people that don't have computers anymore. 
uh, who, people who are like, you know, busy, active in the world, you know, running businesses, they, some people just never liked laptops and computers and they do everything on an iPad or even an iPhone and they're fine. And they do their email and they say, check out my website. They're going to look at it on their phone and they're not going to ever see it on a computer. And so that is one reason alone why Squarespace is so great to me. Yeah. And, um, they just sort of, do, I, I, I still am waiting. I'm, I'm excited for them to keep bringing out more tweaks and features to their thing, but they, it's so great. Yeah. Just looking and at I, your and site. I switched everything over. Yeah. I, I noticed you've got, you've got your blog links, you've got Instagram on your front page, you've got Twitter on your front page. So you've got links to all of your social mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and then you've got a, you've got a blog page, you've got kind of an about me page, you've got links to all of your work. So it's, it looks very, very professionally done and, um, and changing it. Cha- yeah. yeah. And I did it, you know, I, I used the template, but then I changed every font and every color just to make it exactly how I wanted it. And, and making a change or creating a new page takes two seconds. It's so easy and you can't screw it up because it's all on their server. You know, it's all done. It's pretty cool. And then, you know, I have my own domain name, davidwayne.com, all, you know, baked in. So you don't, you don't, you can't tell that it has anything to do with Squarespace. If you cho- if you so choose. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap the ad spot up. You're, you're welcome to continue talking about your website or how you built it or anything like that. But you can find more information at Squarespace by going to squarespace.com slash users. And when you are ready to sign up, uh, use the coupon code, I believe for this month, it is MPU7 because we are still in July, right? Why, it is yes, still July. We are. It is still July. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, thanks to Squarespace for their continued support of Mac Power users. Is the ad spot now technically over? The ad spot is not technically over. Okay, Squarespace is garbage. I would never. <laughs> I'm telling you, anyone who goes Squarespace is a fool. Yeah. yeah. Just kidding. Just kidding. I love it. You know what? Actually, is also great about they, their tech support's unbelievably responsive. Yeah, you know, they, I get they, that too. You, you I, I have know. issues, and they send you an email right back, and they're like, you know, let we, and they actually read it. They didn't just send you back a, a pre boilerplate. Oh, I hate text, it when people you know. do that. When they just oh, oh my god. Like a computer. They assume that you're too stupid, to, that you shouldn't have asked. They're like, you know, check our frequently asked questions for what is probably there. And I'm like, I already did, you idiots. But well, Squarespace doesn't do that. The nice thing about Squarespace is a lot of times they'll just fix it for you. If you have a yeah. problem, they're like, okay, well, we fixed it. Here it is. And this is how you can avoid it in the future. Yeah. Hey, hey congratulations on the Grammy, by the way. I forgot to. Uh... Emmy. Emmy. Oh, I'm sorry. Emmy. I, I mean, I'm, I I'm working on the Grammy. No, really? See yeah. how dense I am? I mix those two up. No, when my Think- next uh, single drops next year, I'm hoping to get a Grammy. But uh, we know our show, Children's Hospital, got the Emmy, which is so exciting. Congratulations on the Lombardi Trophy for Children's Hospital. <laughs> That's pretty exciting, though. I mean, wow. It's pretty cool, yeah. I, I sadly didn't go to the Emmy Awards, um, so I missed the actual pageantry of it, but uh, they sent me the thing in the mail, and it's very big and heavy. And how does that no happen? The, the FedEx guy just shows up with a box, and there's an Emmy in it. That's exactly right. It's a big box because you know the Emmy has that particular shape with the holding up the globe, so it has to be packed in a very big padded thing. And uh, you know, living in a small New York apartment, I have literally no place to put it, but. I'm glad I have it. <laughs> so do you put it like, so when friends come over, do you put it like right in front center? Right. Well, I right. thought about just carrying it around with me uh, on my person for a few weeks, but um, I ended up having it on our mantelpiece for two days and it just seemed a little bit overwhelming. So then I put it in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you, you can pull it out on special occasions. 
yeah. when, when we talked last, you, you, you know, you had talked about uh, writing Wanderlust and you did it all in Google Docs with your writing partner who was on the West Coast while you were on the East Coast. Well, no, we did Wanderlust on Dropbox. That's right. Um, but then I've switched over in some cases to doing, uh, you know, there's a there's a screenwriting format called Fountain. Yes. Uh, which, which is kind of like a markdown version of screenwriting, sort of. It's like a screenwriting version of markdown, yes. yes. Uh, and it's basically, yeah, it's a, it's a universal text-based formatting language for screenplays that anyone can use at any time. You don't, you don't have to have any particular software or anything like that, just like Markdown. Yeah. And it's great. Um, and screenplays are a very complicated format, but uh, it works pretty well, especially for certain parts of the process. So um, an example that happened on Children's Hospital is that the last minute we had to write, uh, rewrite a new episode from scratch, which seems to happen a lot, so, so fast that there was no time to like waste at all. Um, so what I did was we started writing it in a Google doc in fountain and literally the, 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 my co-writer was sitting across the table from me and she was writing scenes and rewriting my scenes simultaneously without any back and forth of any kind. No, like check the Dropbox for the draft or no yeah. emailing. We were just writing on the same document and blasting through Literally the same time. So by the time we both looked up, it was done. And that could never have happened without Fountain, which is this brand new format. So it's a, it was a really exciting thing to do. And then what the great thing about Fountain is you take that raw text, which is in Fountain format, and put it in any number of pieces of software. The main one is right now is called Highland. And uh, it sp spits it out as a beautifully, perfectly formatted screenplay. Now, how big is the adoption of Fountain at this point in the industry? I think it's very, very small right now. It's it's probably among like the very hardcore geeks. But I actually don't, I don't really know the answer to that question. But that's my guess. I mean, just do you know other people that are using it actively? Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a there's a a cool community that's developing apps. There's one called Slugline, which is a really a good um, screenwriting app that uses Fountain. And there's another one called Fade In, and they all have slightly different approaches to how they approach it. And then there's Highland, which is the one where you can. It takes a PDF of a screenplay and melts it down into fountain text, which you can then use to turn it back into a final draft document, which is the main, you know, workhorse screenwriting program, which everyone still uses, which is horrible. Yeah. But, but, but hopefully we'll get better. Well, they told me that they told me that they have a new one they're working on and they, I might beta test it. So I probably shouldn't have said something so negative. <laughs> but you know, two, two and a half years ago, you had the same complaints. With. Well, that's the uh, final draft hasn't updated it. I think not since like 1983 or something. So it's, it's real. I'm exaggerating slightly, but it's, um, they, it's been sitting there stagnant for years. And, and the trouble you're running into, you know, with all these tech systems is, is essentially the track changes and is that's when you're running into trouble, right? When you start passing it yeah. around. There's the, yeah. You just basically, no matter what you have to have a, very set system with your collaborators on how you're going to do it, whether, you know, it's okay. The, the file that's in the Dropbox that's marked master is the absolute master. Only one of us can control it at one time. You know, you have to come up with whatever those systems are um, because you keeping track of drafts among multiple people can, is always slightly confusing no matter what, but yeah. that's just nature of the beast. So th these tools are, are helping a lot and it's fun. It's, it's got to be fun being part of that, yeah. you know, the, the revolution.
Yeah. I mean, it's, and I'm always there to, I'm these people, it's people in find problems. They, they have problems in their daily work and they're looking, they're saying, wait a minute, I'm not just going to rest knowing that this is something that's hard to do. I know it can be better and they're doing it. And I love, you know, screenwriters like John August, who I just worship for taking it in his own hands to like develop the software to make life easier. He, he also created this um, thing called FDX reader. So you can read final draft formatted, uh, documents on iPad and iPhone because Final Draft just didn't bother doing it for years. They have now too, but um, but the problem in in a lot of film production is that there's certain dominant software that is so uh, monopolized that one category that there's there are no great alternatives to it, and the software is so. Um, not Mac-like and not uh, good, you know, and it's, it's the, the user interface is so retro and the whole way it works is so counterintuitive and it, it drives me crazy and you just feel like they should make it better. And they have so much momentum and everybody's used to using it that, and there's this resistance to change that there's a group of people who say we can do it better. And then there's another big group of people who says, oh, I don't want to learn something else. Because right, their, exactly. their, whole, their whole experience is every time you try something new, it's not much better, and I have to go through this whole learning curve again. It's, I mean, it's where the word processing market was just a couple of years ago, where, you know, first everybody was on WordPerfect, and then they went over to Word, and um, and then now, all of a sudden, on the Mac at least, there's this this rich assortment of word processing available. So hopefully you'll get there, too. Okay. Now- um, sorry. I'm I'm real curious about how you're using Evernote because I'm a big Evernote user and um, oh, where does yeah, that come I, in? Where does that come into the workflow? I well I resisted Evernote for years and I'm still not sure about it. I, I've started to slowly get better. You know the new one is pretty impressive and I'm started to using it more and more. But there's certain things about it that still bug me so much that I'm not. I, I'm curious to know maybe I'm missing something. But like here's an example. Um, I have all these books of sheet music, all these songs in my house. And there, there's actually just like hundreds of books and there's too much. It's too much. Yeah. And I want to get rid of them. So I'm like, great. This seems like a perfect use for Evernote. I'll just, you know, scan them on my iPhone into documents on my Evernote. And then I have it all, all there. But then there's no great way to look at these documents on Evernote or any other way. Because they it creates these notes, these Evernote notes that have these separate image files or PDFs of each page of the document that you scanned. And then if you just want to like flip through those pages, it's, it's basically impossible. Yeah. That's not a good use of Evernote. It's a little easier now if you use the Evernote document camera, cause then they'll kind of flow, but that's what yeah. I do. Oh, does it? But it, yeah, no, it, mm. it does. It flows in the taking of it. It makes, it makes creating the document easy, which is cool. I like that. But the using of the document, you have to actually just manually scroll from page to page. You can't oh, yeah, just, you there's no other way to go. It's like, I wish I could open it as a multi-page document in preview, but that would require exporting it from Evernote somehow, which I don't even know how to do. It's just crazy. Uh, and also like opening documents in Evernote is like, there's no, you can't even set a, a, a keyboard shortcut to open documents. You have to go and right click and then cho- choose the menu option open just to read the stupid thing. Yeah. 
it's 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 very weird that such an advanced program has some glaring things like that to me. It's so good on the archival basis of putting stuff in there, but yeah. like getting stuff out. And I, I every time we it comes up because there's some our our listeners love Evernote, and there's a good reason because it does OCR for you and like yeah, Katie's- but you can't even. But that's another thing. Like for example, the yesterday I was I was reading through this newspaper at the at dinner with my kids. And I saw this ad for swimming lessons and I snapped it into Evernote. I thought that's perfect, right? Yeah. So now here I am today and I'm like, great. Oh, and the, and the number is this long phone number. So I'm like, oh, I'll just clip it. I'll just copy the phone number out. Nope, can't do it. it. It'll find it. So it clearly has OCR'd it, but you can't copy and paste the text that it's already OCR'd for some reason. Wow. That's news to me. It's crazy. So now yeah. I have to manually look at this and manually dial the phone number. Even, even though, though you searched it. <laughs> even though I searched it and yeah. clearly it's been turned into text, but they just won't make it available to me. Katie, yeah. come on, defend it. I use it all the time. <laughs> I mean, I don't have that issue. I've I've got all this stuff in Evernote and um, I don't, mm, I don't here's know. My third, here's my third big topic about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I love my NVAlt, right? Yeah. And all my text files, and I keep a notesy on the phone. Yeah. How do I, now? How do I decide which thing goes where and where to search for what? That, you know, that's that is where the I, problem because you end up with but, too many buckets. So I'm trying to just sort of instinctively think like that's more of an Evernote thing, that's more of an NVL thing. But then it's ugh, then I basically, hopefully, it'll just sort of naturally happen. But now I have two buckets instead of one, which the I, whole point was to have one. Yeah, I can tell you where I've where I'm at with Evernote right now because for a long time I made fun of it because I felt like it was like a roach motel. You put stuff in, but you didn't get it out. And they and have then everybody impro- emails you every single time about how you can export your notes. Yeah, but it's not that easy. It takes multiple. Th- I just want something. You know, my ideal is the old Yojimbo where you'd put something in, and then when you wanted it out, you you took your mouse, you clicked it, and you dragged it to the desktop, and it was out. And it doesn't work. I can't that believe easy. it doesn't work that way. Yeah, and I and, well, I think the reason there's a good reason is because they want to make it work on every platform, and they've got to convert the bits to bytes. And, and you know, I'm being funny with those words, but no, I mean, I, know it's, it, yeah, it's, I understand things are getting translated to work, and then that makes it a lot harder to untranslate it at the other end. And and where's the uh, where does it live on your? It's is it one giant file now or ever know? Well, yeah. it's, the the data. There's well, a you know, there's a cache folder where it's all cached in. I mean, the data lives up in the Evernote cloud, but it it is all locally cached. You, so you lo- can get to it. Yeah. I see. Well, now yeah. let let me solve one problem for you though with sheet music. Uh, so I I'm like you. I uh, I have a collection of sheet music, and I yeah. and I wanted you know because I'm a nerd. I didn't want to be pulling sheet music out, and in my mind, I'm going to be somewhere someday, and someone's going to say. Hey Dave, why don't you play Ruby, my dear? You know that Thelonious mm-hmm. Monk song for me, and I can almost play it by memory. But then, depending on how long it's been, you're going to need to see those changes. I'm yeah. going to need to be able to whip it out. So I found this great app for the iPad. <laughs> it's called Fourscore, F O R S C O R E, and mm-hmm. it is a piano music app. And for lack of a better term, and you can set it to automatically switch pages after a certain amount of time or you just tap the screen and it turns it, they even have a, a foot pedal you can, you can buy oh, that plugs goodness. into your iPad somehow. Well, no, that, that makes perfect sense. If no, you're sitting there playing, you tap it with your foot. Well, I've seen one app that one of those apps that's like that, where you just wave your hand as if you're flipping the music page and it does it because yeah, be the camera sees it. 
and yeah, that, it makes isn't that cool? Yeah. Well, you got to check this out. And that so, might be four score. So what I do is I put all of my music up on a Dropbox folder. Mm-hmm. Four score does see Dropbox, and then I just download it all in there, and it's great. I love Wait, it. oh, so this it can read just regular scans of. Yeah, paper PDFs. sheet music yeah oh so you can take <laughs> all down. those scans Calm you've down. already clipped and put them in there if you can get them out of evernote you get them out of evernote yeah i'm i'm confident you can get them out of evernote. Get, get yourself a fujitsu scan snap and is this going to be in the show notes i hope it'll, yes. it will be in the show notes i all will right. uh i will email you the details as soon as we hang the, up so the only reason get... i do this is so i can get answers to these questions that i so i appreciate that. yeah it's well, we, we met for breakfast once and and uh, Katie, Dave, and I met, and he had a list. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm like, oh, man, we can't leave here till we hit every one of those things. <laughs> Listen, got to get help from somebody. Did my, research. Cordry was saying the same thing. He was he was like, I'm going back on that show is when I've completed my list of problems that I need solved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's on a nerd vision quest right now. He told yeah. me he's coming back. We're, we're going to have Rob Cordry at, I think, the end of next month. So that'll be fun. Ooh. I hope so. Um, Anyway, but, but yeah, so check out Fourscore and I'm with you. I ever know. So the way I use it is, is, is for research. Like when I'm writing books and, and keeping stuff and I want to have certain things access to, it's very easy to create a project or I guess they call it a folder. What do they call yeah. it, Katie? Folder? I notebook. think it's a folder. Notebook. Yeah, notebook. that's it. So I create a notebook and I'll put stuff in there and then I can go back and find it very easily. But that, to me, has been the best solution for Evernote. And it's also, I find it useful when I travel to make a, a notebook of everything for that trip. Where And I get, I st- I'm starting to see why it's better than just having a folder in your finder, but it's not that much different. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I'm with you. I'm still working on it. I think they're working on it, too. So yeah. I'm sure it'll get better. Um, all right. What's, what's next? Um, well, you know... I get. Well, let's talk about our last sponsor real quick because I want to talk about this jailbreak because I yeah. understand that Oof. you are, you know, I gotta get into an that. iPhone criminal now that you are a jailbreaker. You guys, we got to talk about this. Okay, but but <laughs> our last sponsor is is Connected Data, and the product is Transporter. And if you love Dropbox, you're going to love even more your Transporter. And uh, this is a device, and we've talked about it before on the show. It plugs into. Uh, your network and it's a hard drive and you can access it from anywhere in the world. It's like having a Dropbox storage, but instead of relying on somebody else to hold your data, you hold it yourself. You've got it right in your house. So uh, that gives you certain control that you wouldn't have otherwise. Like you can have library folders that provide access to files you don't want to store on your computer or mobile devices, but then, you know, you can conserve storage, but then using the transporters library folders, you can connect to these uh, these transporters and get to your devices and, and get to the vi- uh, the storage on the go. Uh, you can control where it's stored. You know, the transporter is wherever you keep it physically. You don't have to worry about the data being stored in a different country or on a server that belongs to somebody else. So if you decide the guys at the black helicopters are coming, you can unplug it from the network and take your data with us. And uh, it gives you complete privacy because all communication is peer-to-peer. Your data is never stored anywhere except on the computers and transporters that you select. And it's more affordable because you pay a one-time cost. It's a $299 for one terabyte, which is the one I have. Actually, I have two now. I got one from my sister-in-law's house. And I've got this great system where one of the things I do, Dave, to avoid that 
that problem you're dealing with is yeah. the real key stuff gets sent off site right away. Just like the people on set, you know, I'm like, I'm like Hollywood now. Right. So mm-hmm. when I update my aperture library, I send, I have a copy of the stuff that I've updated and I send it off to this transporter at somebody else's house in my family. And it's really a great way to make sure that I've got that data off site right away. And yeah, I just I just love these transporters. We were very excited when they first came to us with the concept of what they're building, and we've been very impressed with the success that they've had and and the way it all works. Uh, save yourself some infrastructure costs. Get yourself a transporter and, and go to town. So you can get the one terabyte one for two ninety nine. You can get a two terabyte one for three ninety nine, or you can get one without a drive for two hundred bucks one ninety nine, and then you can put your own drive in it and. I know a lot of people that are doing that as well. I mean, this just solves so many problems for professionals like uh, doctors and attorneys who want to keep documents and have a a cloud type storage without having to worry about turning over control of documents to somebody else. I think I'm going to look into this transporter as soon as we get off this podcast. I think you should. I think it would be really, especially for someone like you, who's always on the road. Yeah. So like you live in New York, you could have one of these plugged in, at your home. Yeah. And then what you want to do is you want to turn off the lights in it. They've got this thing yes. where you, you, because you don't want your wife and your kids wondering what's going on when the lights start flashing. And so yep. you could just leave it at your home and then you could be in LA or wherever you are shooting a movie. And if you want to update notes or something, you could just drop it on your transporter and through the miracle of the internet, it's going to save that stuff locally to your place. That's in kind of what I've been looking for. So this is good. Yeah. It, you and- know, I, Go ahead, Katie. I was going to say, we've started using it recently for the show instead of Dropbox, which has been great because David and I have to send back and forth these, um, you know, these big several, uh, what are they, two gig files-ish yeah. back and forth yeah. when we when we do the recording because we record lossless. And number one, David always forgets to send them to me, so I made him set up a Hazel rule that we'll just copy that folder to our shared transporter and then it copies locally quickly because for a while you had really slow upload speed, but I don't know if you got that fixed or not. But it copies locally to his his shared transporter, and then overnight it copies to my transporter. Our computers don't have to be on because our transporters are always on and talking to each other. And then when I wake up in the morning and turn back on my computer or wake back up my computer, it's already on my transporter. And so then it says, hey, Katie, I got, I got David's file right here. You want to do something with it? It's wonderful. You, you want my Hazel rule for that? I think it's pretty clever. Okay. So I have some archival recordings of Katie, you know, when you say embarrassing things, I keep oh, all of those. That's, that's and, important. Oh, you know, but the, um, but so I want to get files to you with a Hazel rule. And so the, the Hazel rule says it has to have been created, I think within the last six hours. Okay. And it has to have the name Katie Floyd in the name of the file because a Skype call recorder puts the name of every person in the call. Right. So now, the old stuff doesn't get automatically sent to you, but everything new gets automatically copied over to that transporter folder. I think we've kind of gone beyond the ad spot at this point. Haven't anyway, we? yeah, yeah. Well, well, there I is. I think a, it's interesting, just the same. Yeah, well, there there is a discount. So if you want to get it, uh, go to filetransporter.com/mpu, and you get ten percent off. And it makes us look like heroes, which we always like. And uh, but maybe if they're listening, they'll give me eighty percent off. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. You never know. You never know. Um, yeah. 
we'll actually is a really good now. solution. Maybe you get two of them and you put one in wherever your LA place is and one in New York, and then you're really you've got both coasts backed up to the wazoo. That's yeah. I, I'm liking this. I really am. Yeah. All right. All right. Jailbreaking. Why? We got to talk about this. Why are you? Yeah, it's incredible. Why are you doing? Listen, this? I have to tell you, I've never was. I never thought to jailbreak the iPhone because I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to screw around with it and. You know, I don't want to take the risks and blah, 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 blah. Then I realized all of that is just bull and how great it is. I I couldn't, I'm like such a convert. I can't even believe it that I even waited this long to do it. That's um, very curious because I know so many people that used to jailbreak. In fact, I did back before there was an app store because that's the only way you could get apps. But it seems the iPhone has come so far. I'm kind of ah. in the spot you were where, what, why do I need that? Oh my God. Wait till you hear what I have. Okay. Going on share it with me. Hit me. So ba- okay. Basically the, 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 the deal is if you wanted to jailbreak your iPhone there at particularly on lifehacker.com, they have a great sort of, here's how you do it. Um, article that they're always updating and making sure it's accurate. Yeah. And it's and not that hard, right? I'm telling you, it takes 10 minutes. Yeah. It's nothing. It's like a. It's like installing another any app. It's and so you get you 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 jailbreak your phone and all the the only thing that looks different on your iPhone is that you now have this new app on your iPhone called Cydia, which is their separate app store, and you can a lot of the apps are free and the ones that aren't free get uh, charged on your Amazon account. It couldn't be simpler, you know. And by the way, this is one hundred percent legal. And I know I, w- I was just kidding when I was calling you. No, I know, I know, but, but you, should, just, you should clarify that. Good for you. But a lot of people don't realize that because it's called jailbreaking, and it's like you know, it seems like you're doing something wrong or something. And apparently, they do think that there's some like they're they're trying to say there's a legal problem with doing it on an iPad, but not on an iPhone. Anyway, bottom line is totally fine. Nobody cares. Totally legal. And the other great myth is that it's going to screw up your phone in some way. It doesn't. It, your phone is unaffected in any way except for the ways that you choose to change it, which is so cool. All right, so I'm gonna. Can I just talk about some of the things that I've done on mine? Yeah, Before please. we do that, I just want to. I just want to step in for a minute. Yeah, I, I do understand that depending on how you do the jailbreak, you can have you can reduce the security on your phone, like significantly. What, what security? Like, what do you mean? The um, in terms of the Unix backdoor and there's there's there are trouble and i i don't know enough about it to really explain in detail i think if you're going to do this you should look into that if that's a problem for you i don't even know yeah but i'm like i'm not even sure like if someone got like got into using my phone i would be in trouble no matter what like if they're looking at my email and stuff yeah you know well i just i just want to say i know what the email is going to be saying to me I'm sure that there's all these things. I'm giving my own personal anecdotal experience, which has been so positive. Yeah. Okay. So tell Um, me what you're doing with it. All right. So in in not necessarily any particular order, there's one thing called Activator, which is basically gives you the way an opportunity to use the hardware buttons or also gestures and other things on the phone to do anything. So for me, for example, three clicks on the top button turns on my flashlight. So I don't have to go finding the flashlight app. If I'm in the, you know, I have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, or if I swipe across the menu, the, the little uh, status bar at the top, it brings up the brightness um, control or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can basically do any iPhone function, mapped to any iPhone button combination or oh, one of the best ones for me, which I use constantly and I can't believe I ever lived without is when I'm listening to music or podcasts, if instead of having to press 
forward and back on the screen, I've mapped my volume button so that if I hold it down, it skips to the next track up and down. And it's incredible. So I'm listening to podcasts on Instacast and I want to skip forward 30 seconds. Um, I just press the button and it's like a hard button for forward and backwards. Nice. It's like, you know, it's yeah. that, that alone is worth it for me. So that's one. Um, another one is Android lock, uh, which basically like an Android phone gives you the option of instead of a numeric unlock for the phone, you just draw a shape. Mm-hmm. And for me, that just saves me, you know, time every single time I pick up my phone, yeah, which is great. And you can also s- customize the look and stuff like that. There's another one, SB settings, which it's very similar. It seems to what's coming in OS seven in iOS seven, but we have it now, which is you just swipe up or you, or in your right in your notification center, it has all the settings that you want to get to without having to feed through menus, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, brightness, blah, 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 blah. Well, I have to admit that's something I'm really looking forward to. Oh my God. And this is, I do this every day. So now when I want to lower the brightness of my phone, it's one tap. Or if I want to, you know, turn off the Wi, I'm constantly turning the Wi-Fi on and off because I want to like get onto the 3G or whatever. And I don't have to go into settings all the time to do that. Um, another one is I don't, I want to see more apps at one time on my phone. So I have five columns of apps instead of four. Very simple. Doesn't look cluttered. Great. Just a, these little so simple do the things. icons render smaller? How does it no, make that? They're just, they're just less black space in between them. Okay. You don't even think about it after two seconds. You don't, you don't, you don't even notice that anymore. It's just, you just have five columns instead of four. Yeah. Um, the, there's one called low power banner where when the, when you're only uh, 10% of your battery's left, instead of stopping your phone with an alert, it just gives a little drop down banner. So you can, you don't have to like, uh, cancel the notification. You can just keep doing whatever you're doing, which that was, that's so annoying to me before. Um, there's one called reader, which, uh, in any app that you're using has an automatic button to send to pocket. So you don't have to like, you know, in Safari or something, you don't have to use the link to send something to pocket. You can just send it directly to pocket. It is interesting, you know, that occasionally Apple hires people out of that jailbreak community. Oh yeah. You can see that. I wonder if sometimes Apple likes to see what happens out there, just give it ideas about what people want. Oh, and use. I, inevitably they do because the, the, the jailbreak community is so active and so creative and they are, I mean, I'm a ton of what's in iOS seven to me watching it now. I'm like, Oh yeah, those are all jailbreak tweaks that they've decided to put into the system, which I think is good because they're logical things. Um, so, so do you think, so, and you, you haven't noticed any impact on performance with your phone. Only better. Like, well, yeah. I, I have to, okay, the two best ones that I have to tell you about. One is called Speed Intensifier, which basically triples the speed of all the animations on your phone. And once, whenever I'm using somebody else's phone, I think it's like a snail. You know, okay. Every app how, how does just that work? Do you have any boom, idea? Boom. I, I have no okay. idea how any of it works. <laughs> I have no idea how the it's how magic. Any, um, but yeah, they just somehow, they're like, they just, they, they, they go, because it's, because they don't have any obligation to follow any of Apple's rules because it's, you know, it's jailbreak hacking. They don't, they can just change anything they want. And they do basically what the way they do it though, is the, the app that actually is the phone that, that has, that shows you all the apps is called springboard and yeah. they replace springboard uh, in, in any jailbreak phone, I think with their own more hackable version of it. I think, I don't know. 
The other one that's incredible that I that I can't live without anymore is called Zephyr, which basically gives iPad type plus uh, behavior to your apps. So when I'm on driving and I'm GPS, and then I want to switch over to my music player, I just swipe over. And it just, you can swipe one, you know, on and on and on all your applications. You don't have to just literally swipe to the left to switch to the app, to app, to app, to app. Like the four finger swipe on the iPad. Right. But it's a one finger swipe or it's whatever you decide. You can configure it any way you want. And then if you swipe up from the bottom, you swipe up to your app switcher instead of having to double click on the home button. Um, Well, well, the next time we do a geek breakfast, I want to see it. And it's super cool. Yeah. Um, there's only one other that oh, there's two others I have to mention. I know we're going way long. That's okay. No, no hurries. <laughs> you can edit out all the earlier stuff. Yeah. Um, the there's um, Vlox, which is an incredible one, which is basically like sort of a quick look, but plus basically any of all of your apps on your iPhone. Um, you just touch it and swipe down, and you can use the app without launching it. So. If I swipe down on my camera icon on my home screen, it gives me the camera to use without actually opening the app. Or if I swipe on my, you know, so, so wait, it, is it really? Isn't it loading the app? But that's, I mean, it's just giving a different animation to start it, isn't that? Sort of, but it seems I know what you mean. But each one has a different version of it. Like you can go into your photos. Here's an example in your photos app on your iPhone. You swipe down on it. Instead of launching the Photos app, it just gives you the most common things, Twitter, Facebook, Mail, copy for your most recent photo. Okay. You know, it's like very sort of cool, fast, intuitive thing. Oh, my God. I'm just looking at that right now. I didn't even realize. I just I just realized that that does that. That is super cool. Um, so now <laughs> and then, you're going to yeah. have to show. So when you show this to your geek friends, have you got any converts to a jailbreak? Uh, yes, a couple. I had a couple. I've had some that were like, nah, I'm still not sure. And others who are just like, wow, this is incredible. Um, sorry, that's my phone doing that. Then the um, the other one I just want to tell you is, uh, or no, no, the one other one is like, they have one, one called Yahoo Weather is Better, which simply puts the Yahoo Weather app as the thing that comes out of your notification center instead of yeah. the built-in one. Yeah. You know, things like that. Or it takes you to Google Maps instead of Apple Maps from... Yelp or whatever, you know. Yeah, like resets um, the default map. Basically, and, and the the bottom line for me is any gripe you have with your phone can is fixable, and anything that you've ever thought, if you ever thought for a second, oh, I wish I had an Android, no longer. I I have um the last time I was really tempted to jailbreak was I was doing a lot of screencasting off the iPad, and at that point there was no easy way to do that except through jailbreak. And, but mm. now they fixed it. You know, there's some apps that allow me to mirror the screen to my Mac and it's no problem now. And I've just right. had never any desire. And, and I, I had, you know, I remember back in the day where someone, I remember when they first started doing jailbreaks, it was common knowledge that they reset the, the, I think it's the Unix password for the device in the jailbreak process. And I know I'm nerds out there. Please don't yell at me. Uh, but anyway, I knew there was a problem with that. And then so many apps started coming out. I'm like, well, why would I want to deal with it? And then is it going to make the phone unstable and blah, blah, blah. So I just never bothered it. And then I was really surprised when you wrote to say that you're really getting a lot out of it. So I guess there yeah. is a reason still. And and I have to say, like, you know, the, the phone, 
freaks out exactly as often as it did before, which is yeah, once a month something happens, you know. Me. And no battery um, drain that you can tell or anything like that. No. Mm. I mean I mean my battery does Sorry, I keep looking at my phone and it causes trans. Uh, my battery does. Um, it, it, I just replaced my battery today, actually, on my iPhone. Okay. Um, which which iPhone getting, are you using? Uh, 4S. Okay. Um, my battery was getting pretty uh, drained, but I don't. I, I think it's just because I've had it for a really long time and I use it all the time. So did you just take it in the Apple store or did you have somebody? To I had, there's a guy here where I'm uh, staying out in the country who comes to your house and for 30 bucks, he gives you a new battery and replaces it. Okay. Well, he um, comes out to your for... house and yeah. replaces the battery yeah. for 30 bucks. Isn't that no. great? Wow. Yeah, totally. 30 bucks cash. I gave him three $10 bills. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so what other fun are you up to these days with your Macs and... Um, okay. Wow. This, I'm just like, we're on fire here. All right, go, go. Um, I've been getting into cinemagraphs. I know I think I'm probably three years late on when this was kind of a thing, but I just discovered it and I'm using this, uh, I've used a bunch of different apps, but one, the one I'm using the most now is called Echograph. And it's really fun. They're taking these still photos that have like an element of movement in them. Yeah. Um, and it's been really fun. And I actually put them up on my website. If you, people want to see them, it's under the miscellaneous. Wait, do you, do you post yeah. them on a, 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 through a service or? Well, I put, I know I just put them on Squarespace just okay. on my website. Yeah, nice. They're also on my Tumblr, but I don't even use my Tumblr. I think I'm just going to take that down. Just if you want to see them, go to davidwayne.com and then go to the mis, miscellaneous uh, and you'll see the cinemagraphs. I've been doing some fun things with that. And then, um, um, the only other thing that I really wanted to talk about was Aperture, which I've switched to since we last talked from iPhoto. And what do you think? I I think I see why it's great and I'm getting used to it. And I like, I like a lot of the things that are great about it, but I think again, it's this maddening thing where they never really update it or then they never tell you when they're going to update it. And it seems like, and, and there's just certain things about it that to me are so convoluted and confusing and uh, I, I don't know. I, I wish there was a simpler, better photo system. What were you, just, what you were know. you missing that you felt like you had to go to Aperture? What, what was the problem that you were looking to solve? I, I just felt like I wanted more, a better, more um, robust tagging system that was easier to do quickly so that I could organize my photos, you know, I have so many thousands of photos that are, and a lot of them are not, you know, they don't have the right metadata or they don't have the right tags. And I just wanted to do it quickly. And I hate the, the face recognition thing on iPhoto and, and Aperture. And so I turned that off and I just wanted to do, I just wanted something that seemed more pro and was able to be more configurable. And in some ways, Aperture is that, and in some ways it's not, you know, it's just, it seems like it's halfway between an advanced app and like a, and an old, you know, needs badly needs updating kind of app for me. Well, with the recent, they updated Final Cut. Now they've updated Logic. Aperture is the only one left. Yeah. So I would assume. I mean, I'm assuming they're, I guess they're probably working on it, but they just, God forbid Apple ever tells anybody what they're doing. Yeah. It's, we'll know when it's coming out, when it comes out. Yeah. And not any so, sooner. 
it's been frustrating, but it's fine. Well, Adobe's got some tools. Uh, Adobe Lightroom is the one yeah. they usually compare to it. Uh, I, I I don't have the energy to switch again, but yeah. maybe someday. <laughs> my, my feeling was always, well, I got Aperture back when you bought it on disc before, you know, the app store. And, you know, it's made by Apple. And when you have all the things that plug in, like iTunes, give me the photos from Aperture. Right. You're not going to get that with the Adobe product. So it just seemed easier to me. And, and to be honest, I think the version three is pretty good in terms of the editing tools, especially when you combine them with a third party app to do the high end editing. Like I do like the fancy stuff in Pixelmator and then I do the basic stuff with Aperture. And I've yeah, just got, I have I've no just got problem with it, that. You know? That that's all fine to me. I just, there's just the way it imports or here's a great example. When the, when you just want to send somebody a photo for me, it's a huge pain because I don't use mail. Yeah. So I just want to export a photo to send. I don't, I don't mind that step. But a simple, they don't do, there's no such thing as a simple export from Aperture. You have to go to the export menu and then you have to, it usually ends up naming the thing, whatever your last export setting was on your last thing, unless you go down through the menus and change the, it's just, it's a very convoluted, complicated thing when all I want to do is say, just give this photo out of Aperture so I can email it to someone or Dropbox it to someone. If you just want to email it and you don't care about having the full resolution, you yeah. can drag it out of Aperture onto your desktop. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can also right-click on the image, and you'll get the export menu contextually. That's another way to do it. But it, it's right. not it's not as easy. Like in iPhoto, last time I used it, they've got a share button there where you just press it, and it opens. I guess that would open mail, though. So well, the, well, yeah, and it opens mail iPhoto, in a, they have, kind of a funky little way. But in iPhoto, they do have a, a mail plane, which is what I use. Um, plugin uh but and of course you now you can just open iphoto if you want oh here's another thing oh 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 this is this is the whole reason i'm here today i don't understand good good let's hear i never could get an answer for this hazel right yeah i want to i want to put my photos somebody emails me a photo i want to put it in my aperture library right yeah but my it's actually my iphoto library because i switched from iphoto so Hazel won't can only looks at a folder and I wanted to say to Hazel, upload this into my iPhoto library, but it only, it opens iPhoto to do that. But I don't use iPhoto. I use Aperture. So it doesn't understand that I use my iPhoto library primarily with Aperture. And so it it tries to open iPhoto and then I get an error message. You can't open this because it's already open in Aperture. And I just wanted to import these things. There's, it seems like it's, it's, there's no answer there. Aperture now will um, read a iPhoto library. Exactly. That's my, so you can use both. Right. And there is an action in Hazel import into Aperture. Right. Are you using that? It won't work because I, my photo, my library is quote unquote my iPhoto library. Well, there must be a way to throw a switch with that, but you're you're opening it with Aperture, correct? Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. My mm. my there's I have one library. It's called my iPhoto library, but I use it only in Aperture. So when I when I want to use Hazel to try to import it, it it tries to open iPhoto. 
I'd be tempted to make a copy of that library. I don't know how big it is. It's probably pretty big, but yeah, make a copy of it, put it somewhere else, and r- then right click and open it with Aperture, and then close it, and then that should tell Aperture that's your main library. I think it no, goes. No, Aperture to the last knows one. that. Aperture knows it. No, no I'm, I'm, but I'm saying maybe Hazel thinks because of the location of your only library that that you want as a default iPhoto. And I'm just kind of making this up as I go along. Have you have but, you emailed Paul, uh, the guy who does Hazel? I have not taken that step, Katie. I bet he he's here. We're supposed to answer this for him. Okay. Well. So try try opening <laughs> try putting the library somewhere else. Open it and close it with Aperture. So now Aperture firmly thinks that. You're not using iPhoto library. You're using its library. Or maybe one of your, or instead of me taking the time to do that, somebody in the community will now email will now me tweet you or and tell t- you. tweet me with the correct answer. I figured, what, was your, what was your Twitter handle again? Is it David Wayne? Yeah, that's easy enough. <laughs> I, you know that my wife, Zandy, who's an actress who's on Children's Hospital, was teased me for years for using social media and Twitter um, and said it was such a waste of time and why do I do this and made fun of me. And then finally, she's like, all right, I'll try it. And she has not stopped using Twitter for even 10 minutes since then. Yeah, I had the exact same experience with my wife. For years, she thought Twitter was ridiculous. And now she uses it more than I do. Yeah. And now Instagram and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. David right. Wayne, at David Wayne. Let's figure out this problem, guys. And, and Paul Kim at Hazel is really, you know, it's a small shop. You know, Paul is the marketing department, the you know, <laughs> the developer department, the he customer the service coffee. department. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And, I'm going uh, to talk to him. And he will definitely respond because. Do you think at an hour and 45, anyone's still listening? A oh, few. I think a few people. A few. <laughs> yeah. few. I mean, right. uh, some of them might be half asleep by now, but. I would feel comfortable giving my home phone number at this point. Yeah. I mean, too. Um, David, thanks so much for coming back. And uh, we really enjoy having you on the show. And uh, we both really love the stuff you make. And you bring Thank us many you. laughs. Bring us many laughs, which, which Always I a pleasure. And yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so curious to know where we'll be in another two years. Yeah, I can't wait. You and, have to follow you know, up with us and let us know. You'll tell us how you shot a whole movie with your Google Glass. By the way, I you have... You haven't done an email show since the first one, have you? No, we We've did. Done, no, we did a couple. We did a we did a follow up email show. Oh, we, really? But yeah. maybe maybe you need to do an email show with us, and and well, you can uh, take that you can take that hour and a half rant that you give people on email and just do it with us. Well, that's it's it's really just a watered down, and less then push eloquent play. version. It's it's Merlin's rant. It's yeah. just my my own paraphrasing of his rant, not nearly as entertaining. Yeah. So he's he's the one who does that <laughs> we, we you know email has changed a lot and we are definitely going back to email in the not too distant future so yeah it does change a lot and yeah, yeah. all right guys good times all right so we can you can find david on twitter at david wayne That's and right. you can find his website davidwayne.com beautiful squarespace site yeah. and uh you can find us at mac power users and we are on twitter and on app.net katie's at katie floyd i'm at mac sparky and the, show the web, is, yeah, you already said the show is at Mac Power Users. Yeah, we got that. The yeah. website is MacPowerUsers.com or 5x5.tv slash MPU slash 147. No. Yeah, 147 for this show. Now, now, what what would make someone decide which website to go to? Like, why, why would you, 
you know, you give two different websites with who, how do you know which one to, well, you to know, choose? Part of it, because we, we had the website Mac power users long before we joined the five by five network. Mm-hmm. And when we switched over, they, they built a website for us there, but you know, we said, heck with it. We're going to keep our old one too. Yeah. Why not? It, like they, it. they, have, they have the same. They have the same links, you know, it's, there's really no reason to pick one or the other, whatever you like. All right. Go nuts. You never know. Dan may get really mad at us one day and boom, we're gone. It happens. Just show us the door. That could happen. (laughs) Get canceled. Yeah. We could get canceled. (laughs) Exactly. Thanks, Busy Cal, Fujitsu, Squarespace, and Transporter for letting us keep the lights on. And thanks, David Wayne, for being awesome. And thanks to Apple for all of the uh, free equipment that I'm sure they're about to send. Oh, yeah. It's in the Yeah, mail. Yeah, that worked out for you for the last show, didn't it? <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> all right. All right, David, it's a pleasure. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye-bye.